Hey there, this is Terry Cowley, weekday breakfast presenter on 1FM Shepparton. Thanks for checking out this podcast. It was recorded live as part of The Brecky Show, which you can catch 6 to 9am Monday to Friday. Been a very busy week at Greater Shepparton City Council this week with a meeting last night, I think, and of course all the flood recovery work. Giving us a bit of an update this morning is the Mayor of Greater Shepparton, Shane Sarley. And uh, yeah, you re-elected just last night, Shane. Yeah, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on. Yes, uh, well, look, obviously our mayoral election was scheduled last week, uh, similar to our ordinary council meeting, but for obvious reasons we we postponed that to last night, so it was a big and, and late night. We didn't finish till after 9 o'clock, but we got through a lot, and um, yeah, I was grateful and fortunate enough to, to be um, given another two years as Mayor of Greater Shepparton. So, yeah, looking forward to the challenge ahead. So I believe it's two years rather than the one, uh, just to keep some continuity with this flood recovery. Yeah, so, I mean, you can't do more than a maximum of, of two. Obviously, one is, is quite traditional, but we're in the middle of our current council term and um, councillors in particular sort of... Councillor Dobson sort of proposed uh, the reasons and, I mean, look, the, the mayoral election is done in two parts. So although I'm currently in the position and I can see that um, some councillors thought that it was, you know, putting me in for two years, what we sort of made, a, uh, we made a decision on that whoever the elected mayor would be in for two years and the reason has been, um, you know, obviously continuity, um, you know, some stability through some some uh, challenging times that we've had and also with the recovery ahead and, and maintaining those relationships and then you move to the election of the mayor and I was fortunate to have unanimous support from my fellow councillors. So I've got a big job ahead and um, I've got the support of my councillors with me as well and hopefully in the very near future we'll be able to elect deputy mayor because unfortunately last night we weren't able to do that because it was split 4-4. Yeah, I was going to say, not quite the same uh, level of support or agreement over the deputy mayor position. No, and it is always challenging when you've got uh, an even amount of numbers in the room and hence the reason why it's important to have odd numbers and we technically have a councillor who's on a leave of absence at the moment so you can't really wait uh, for that individual to come back or, or an outcome to, to take place uh, in the future so we had to act on it last night but that's okay, that's that sort of democracy and how it works and hopefully uh, between now and then we might get an outcome. If not, we'll maintain the current position as it stands uh, for as long as we need to. So probably the most interesting thing to come out of the council meeting, and I assume this was passed, that council write to the Prime Minister, the Minister for Home Affairs and relevant Australian government ministers and MPs to push to change the date of Australia Day and to remove the Australian citizenship requirement for local government councils to conduct the ceremonies on Australia Day and various other initiatives? Yeah, probably the first point of the recommendation last night is probably the more relevant one. The other parts, you know, numbers two, three and four and five of the recommendation, which are, you know, um, are probably things that we've already been doing, except for the lowering of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flag to half-mast on the 26th of January at all council-owned facilities to acknowledge this date as a day of mourning for Aboriginal people. So other than that, everything else we've sort of been doing as it is. But the first point is, and exactly just what you read out, which is uh, we will write to the Australian government to request the date of Australia Day to be changed to a new date. Um, we obviously don't have a specific date on, on what we would uh, like moving forward, but clearly January 26th is extremely sensitive uh, to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. We're the largest Aboriginal community outside of... Uh, we have the largest Aboriginal community outside of Metro Melbourne as well. But this 
committee that has been very well led by Councillor Anthony Brophy and multiple other stakeholders, Australia Day committee members, local Indigenous representatives, council community team, um, other councillors are involved and executive staff have been working over the course of the last six months as to what Australia Day looks forward, understanding that it is an important day, but it also is very sensitive uh, to our Indigenous community members. And what they've come up with, I believe, is a really good starting point. Um, it's setting a standard of what we want to see moving forward. And we also acknowledge that the federal government make the final decision on what Australia Day looks like moving forward, but we wanted to put our position forward. And then over the course of the next 12 months, we'll have further engagement with those existing stakeholders and adding more broadly community to the decision and discussion of what, what Australia Day looks like moving forward. Was there unanimous support for this move? There was unanimous. Yes, there was unanimous support. So that's good. I mean, and when you make a decision like this, it is good to try and get unanimous support. But we understand that the process that we're taking right now is is sort of really a, a, a being patient and understanding that, you know, you don't want to make a decision overnight. Um, you want to bring community along and we feel that this is a start and, and we'll see what the next 12 months look like into 2024. You also agreed to some free parking in the CBD over the Christmas period? We did. So already in our parking strategy, we offer complimentary parking for December and Councillor Anthony Brophy proposed a alternative motion to include January in that. And I can understand his reasons for that. It's the holiday period. We, we have a lot of visitors. Um, uh, you know, there's people moving around our CBD, so it offers probably more of a convenient option and a better shopping experience for those, you know, uh, current community members and those that obviously visit our region during that period of time. So that was supported as well. So that gives a bit of direction uh, moving forward what our parking looks like. And I think it was made very clear last night that I think this is where we're going to probably land in regards to complimentary car parking. Uh, I mean, look, we know it's a significant blow to our budget if we were to roll out complimentary car parking you now for the full 12 months. So we feel this is a reasonable compromise and now probably gives council some direction to move forward and modernise our parking infrastructure. And that's, you know, from signings to existing metres and other forms of modern technology to just make it easier to park in the CBD. Okay, so free parking for December and January. That's good. I think last year it was continuing a little longer than that, but that was, I guess, a, a COVID measure. Yeah, we had it for four months. It was November to the end of February. And you've also got to be mindful that when you come out of the complimentary car parking, that there's always that little bit of... Uh, sort of unknown through the community as to whether it's still on or off. So, uh, you know, we understand that council are reasonable in their approach, you know, beyond the complimentary car parking and issuing warnings and, and making sure that community members are aware that it is paid parking now. But look, the two months is over that holiday period. It was supported last night, so I think we move on from it. And, and I'm glad that we've got a, a resolution that gives uh, council officers some direction. Another item was the adoption of the Calder Woodburn Memorial Avenue Advisory Committee, terms of reference and appointment of community representatives. And I just have to uh, declare an interest here that I put my hand up to be one of those community representatives because that Memorial Avenue is in my neighbourhood. But I just thought I, I might ra raise it because it, it is an interesting one, isn't it, um, Shane? Being Australia's longest eucalypt memorial avenue, comprising over 2,400 native trees. And I think a lot of people would probably drive down south out of town towards Melbourne and not even realise it's there. 
Yeah, it is significant. And there was a committee um, uh, operating sort of many years ago, of, well, before COVID anyway, and then obviously it, it sort of lost its way over that period of time. And I had a lot of community interest in regards to getting that reinstated. So we we got things going again, and now we've got a committee live. And I thought you'd bring it up because no doubt you wanted to, want me to tell the community how good it is to have you. Oh, absolutely. That, that's my whole... Um... That's why I thought you'd... Uh, there's, there's 20 agenda <laughs> items and you focus on this one just because you're in it. So. No, no. Uh, but you've, uh... It is an interesting one, though. It is. It, it is, and it's significant. And, you know, it's in our backyard and it's something that needs to be uh, maintained and, and that's probably what's been lacking, um, the attention and, and, and effort that needs to go into maintaining uh, this memorial. And maybe just sort of um, raising awareness too, because I believe in years past there were many different signs, sort of, you know, different trees were, you know, in memorial of, of different particular people who had died in the war. And, and now it's just a bit of a mishmash of vegetation. And uh, I think we need to get Vic Rhodes on board as well in this process yeah, too, obviously we, safety yeah, aspects. We, we do, because obviously it's on... A major highway, but when I was made aware, I always knew what it was. But the signage, um, once it was made aware to me that the signage was, you know, sort of being neglected, I then paid more attention to it. And it is, it is being, you know, really neglected. It's, you know, they're sort of fallen over or, or being vandalised or, you know, different forms of graffiti and bits and pieces are on them. So, you know, like anything, you need a committee to drive um, some good outcomes. And there's some really good people on our committee as well obviously you know you've got Jan Sinclair, John Head, Julie Jackson, Mark Reynolds and yourself so you know this is a start and you know we'll get things going and, and give it the attention it deserves. Might even become a tourist attraction. Oh well drive past it <laughs> so that's the starting point I mean it's, it's you know on your way in and out of Shepparton so you know I mean it's, it's, a, it's a significant entry point really and it goes for I think it's over 20 kilometres so it's quite a big stretch. It is. So before I let you go, I guess, final word on the flood recovery? Yeah, so a lot going on in this space, as you're well aware, and I, I know you spoke with um, our Deputy Mayor at the time, Anthony Brophy, during the week, and he gave you some detail around what the flood recovery was looking like, and especially the clean-up process that is underway. Uh, that, that's been massive and, and really driven by community uh, council team are out there doing their bit, as well as additional contractors. But what we're speaking... With uh, the state government right now is uh, sort of that immediate accommodation need. So we'll hopefully have some detail next week on what those numbers look like because right now people are still getting back to their homes, uh, either, you know, moving out of either existing family or friends' properties and making the assessment of their properties and then determining whether it's just as simple as replacing carpet or some floorboards or it's a, you know, complete rebuild. So I've had some unofficial... Uh, comments made to me that you know some people have already had insurance assessments and they're, they're basically you know got to do a knockdown job. So that might you know give some clear direction. But where do those uh, family members or people live uh, when this takes place? Because we know we've got a rental shortage and and a land shortage at the moment. So we're put in a position to the state government, uh, if not today, early next week, on what we think could accommodate an immediate uh, temporary accommodation need. Why would it be a knockdown job? Are there issues with foundations and things? Oh, the whole house. Yeah, yeah. Just basically, the, the foundations are, are just not. You know, <laughs> yeah, the assessment's been done, and it's the, the cost of to, the, the cost yeah, of repair would be greater than yeah, knocking it down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So look, we we know that there's 
certain parts of our community that were significantly damaged and, uh, you know, they're obviously having their assessments done. So, like I said, I don't have the official numbers, but I did get told yesterday that, you know, one particular person already had an assessment done and that was the news they were given. Now, obviously, it gives clear direction, but that's not, that's not an easy thing to just put in place either, so... Yeah, as you say, they need to have somewhere else to live, uh, and it's not very easy to get rentals at the best of times in this in this city. No, so this is impacting, you know, all community members. So, you know, whether you know high income, low income community members, that you know, we've got to try and support as many people as we possibly can. So, we need. There are currently, obviously, your relief centre, and there are some uh, immediate accommodation. Uh, needs which are being serviced right now, temporary accommodation needs, but we're looking more for that sort of short and medium and long-term option that is a bit more suitable, so not not in sort of like hotel type of accommodation, motel type of accommodation. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time this morning, Shane, and congratulations on your re-election. Great. Thanks for having me, Terry. We've been speaking to the Mayor of Greater Shepparton, Shane Sarley. SDP Tax has been your trusted local accounting firm and has been proudly helping people just like you across the Goulburn Valley and beyond for over two decades. Are you happy with your accountant? Are you certain that you are receiving maximum tax deductions? Call SDP Tax on 1300 436 829 and start a conversation today. SDP offer a maximum deduction guarantee. That's right, SDP guarantee that they'll find you the greatest deductions possible with no upfront fee charged. What are you waiting for? Call today. There is no business too small. Call 1300 436 829 or visit www.sdptax.com. 1FM sponsor. A spider's invading your house. Have you found white tails in your bedroom or a red back under the toilet seat? Now is the time of year that lots of spiders hatch and baby spiders become big spiders. At Jason's Pest Control, we are here to help you get a spider-free home. We only use high-quality products that not only kill spiders, but also mozzies, flies, and other insects. We treat inside your roof, inside your house, and everywhere outside, including sheds, fences, clotheslines, and rubbish bins. This year, get your spider treatment done right. Call Jason's Pest Control now, 1-800-599-699. 1FM sponsor. Daryl here from Aussie Ag Supplies. Just a quick message, re-tractor parts for many brands of tractors. Most of you good listeners know the brands of parts we carry. Over the busy times ahead, if you need new or used tractor parts, call Aussie Ag. Our stocks are large, plus glass doors, etc. Our wrecking stock of tractors is growing along with used tractors and machinery. Call Daryl on 0428 235000. I'll repeat that, 0428 235000. Thousand. You what they said on the radio? No, I missed it. Nah, I had to take the dog for a walk. I was at work. I was helping with the sausage sizzle. Catch the latest news updates, listen to podcasts, join us live with the Community Radio Plus app. You what they said on, on the radio? Yeah, I was listening. I was listening in the car. Yeah, I was listening on my phone. On the radio? Yeah, I was listening to it on my smart speakers when I got home. Whatever you're doing, take us with you. Community Radio Plus, your home of community radio. Download from the App Store or Google Play. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.